guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Picture this, okay? You're laying in bed on a cold Sunday morning. Your feet are all toasty under those blankets and you open your eyes to a beautiful ray of sunshine that's peeking through the curtains, shining directly on your face. And then you hear the twenties start to awaken. (laughs) Now you knew they were gonna wake up because they are like clockwork. They get up every day at this time for a bottle. But you know what you get today? You get an extra few minutes of that snuggling experience because you have the Baby Brezza Formula Pro Advance with Wi-Fi. So all you have to do is tuck your hand outside of those blankets, grab your phone, open the app, and you're already preparing the bottle right there from the comfort of your super warm bed. And that's actually just one of the amazing things that Baby Brezza has to offer us. And you would truthfully think that everything they made was just with twin parents in mind. From their formula prep to their one-step sterilizer to their baby food makers. Honestly, it's mind-blowing the great stuff that they have. So to find out more about their latest innovations or to learn more about the things I just told you about because you want to have a super snuggly Sunday morning, head on over to babybretza.com. Um, hey, hey, I'm Nat. I'm Lauren. Welcome to the Lauren and Nat show. Boop, 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 boop. I need strobe light. <laughs> that would be good. Jazz hands. <laughs> little hands. That's that. Oh, the little hands are the scariest. Oh, uh, guys, I'm Nat from Twiniversity. That is Lauren Oak, our resident Swiss Army knife of twins. So uh, that's I really need like, like that is such a good description for oh. you. Oh, don't you think so? Because you really could do anything. Whip things out. And yes. Things and you would be like, how do I do use this with this? Like, there's nothing that I wouldn't come to you for. Aww. And not only twins. Like, like twins is just one of your avenues. Okay. There's a bazillion things. I would come to you for relationship advice, children mm-hmm. advice, okay. homeowner's advice. Yes, I am a homeowner. Pet advice. Mm, not the best pet owner, but I'm a good pet owner. But like if your dog was alive, then you would convince me that I'm doing an okay job too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's right. it. By told your dog's alive by neglect. Welcome. Oh, Welcome, I Cooper. Like I have an encyclopedia of useless information in my brain and every once in a while I just whip it out yes you also have an unbelievable knowledge of dementia and Alzheimer's yes I do of hospice yes of caring for an aging parent yes of stoves with the little pellets pellet stoves yes gardening gardening look at this and now let's add on a, a child with a, a significant medical issue. Yes. I mean, seriously. I've thrown all of the crazy situations. And I think like 
someone up there is making like saying, how many crazy things can we, how many crazy situations can we put Lauren in? Sometimes I feel like I'm on candid camera and I'm like, is this really my life? Yes. I things can I deal with? I don't actually know. Hence the sage that I sent to you. Yes. I've used it twice so far. I so, again. so guys, me and Lauren are not witches. However, when, when everything else fails, we sage the house. That's it. So Lauren, thank God for Amazon. Have to say, thank you. Amazon. Hallelujah. Amazon who allowed me to send that to you. I felt like I needed it and I did need it. You totally but I didn't have the clarity enough to realize it. You needed to send it to me so that I could realize that. But did it not work a little bit? A little bit, but then I felt like it worked, but not enough. So then I had to yes. redo it. But I feel like I need to do it again. I feel like, like day, day like a weekly thing every day. Like <laughs> the Glade air freshener that psh, psh, yeah. like every nine minutes. We should invent that, like a, a sage air freshener thing. Let's do it. Just press the button, put it on the wall. Market. This is going to be our, um, this is the original idea for the patent that when we go to the US PTO, is that that's a trademark office, that we were the first people to invent that because sometimes you just, I can't understand. Retirement plan. Wouldn't that be nice? Nobody's going to buy it. It's only going to be people whose poop hits the fan. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people, I think, who who's, that happens to. Oh my gosh. I really, I, I agree. So this is kind of something that could go along with today's podcast. Okay. So we're talking to a papa today. Ooh. Isn't that cool? I like talking to dads. I love talking to big papas. So today we're talking to a West Coast papa and his name is Curtis Burke. And we had, this is another one of those podcasts where I'm going to tell you. So like, if for those of you that are listening to, I'm going to give you like the, the behind the music of the Twiniversity podcast. Sometimes we plan on taping things with a specific purpose. And then as I'm talking to my very, very generous guest, I realize that there's a hidden story. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's got to be like a record scratch. I wish that we could actually have that sound that says. I think you should get that sound and use it when you edit everything. Like, yeah, because people love that sound. It's very welcoming. And then you could come in and be like, and now here's the real story. That's what happens in this episode. I genuinely say out loud that we're, we're scrapping that initial because the first half of the episode is all about one topic. And then we record scratch and we go to the second part. The real story. The real story. And what I think is so fascinating is that people don't realize that there are stories that are bigger stories than they think they want to tell. But when I, no matter what, whenever I speak to a podcast guest, I didn't say this to you because I wouldn't say this to you because I, I would know what our, our boundaries would be. Uh, for what you wanted people to know, which by the way, I can't see one thing you wouldn't want people to know. I, I'm an open book. I tell yes. I diarrhea of the mouth sometimes. I which is them. why we're friends. Yes. I warn them all like, listen, this is going to be a crazy story, but I'm letting you know, this is Sit back. Once Sit upon back. a time. Land <laughs> far and distant on Long Island. <laughs> so this is that, like he did not know 
that he had a bigger story to tell. So he wanted to come on and he has um, fraternal twins and he really wanted to talk about kind of like how different it is to raise boys and girls and it's their two years old or maybe a little bit older by the time we tape that podcast. But, and I was like, you know, were you uncomfortable changing her diaper? Because some dads, especially uh-huh. like of daughters are like, oh, you know, baby vaginas, I don't know what to do with it. So some people get creeped out and some people, some dads are like, no, man, it's got to be clean. We don't need UTIs. We don't need problems. Like we're going to do this. Not every dad is comfortable with that. Okay. Right. And then same thing on that same note, sometimes dads who have fraternals, like have different expectations for their sons than they do for their daughters. And they might be a little bit more gentle to their daughter or quite the opposite, like have a higher expectation. Uh Yes. So this is one of those podcasts that that is the beginning of our story. Then we have a record scratch and the story goes deeper. And so I'm going to tell you right now where the record scratch goes so that you all know. But his wife had postpartum preeclampsia that put her back in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Now, statistically, in the United States, and I know we have a lot of international listeners, A big, 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 big issue that we have in this country is that we have an issue with birth disparity, Mm -hmm. okay? So if you are a woman of color, any color, choose any shade of brown other than white, it -hmm. could be a soft mocha and it could be a deep, you know, midnight golden gloss. It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter. Apparently, in the United States, you are four times more likely to have complications and issues if you are a woman of color. Now, Curtis is a family of color. Okay. Does this affect this this story? Perhaps. But now, if depending on where we put this this episode in our podcast season, you're going to hear this. You're going to hear me say, oh, this person had an issue. And... Now I'm really starting to think that, okay, okay. Not that I'm saying I didn't think this was a problem. I know this is a problem. Like this is like clear. This is statistically proven, but come on. If you know, it's a problem. I know it's a problem, right? I am really trying to fight this battle here and make sure that there is enough diversity in Twiniversity, Mm -hmm. be it our pictures, be it our writers, be it our team in total. I really want to make sure that everybody feels recognized. And I will tell you, that is not new to us. Yeah. That is something we have been doing from the jump. Now, maybe it's because I am a New Yorker and awesome. because my melting pot is filled yep. with a lot of different shades. Yep. So even in my own family, like we have a lot of different shades in my family, right? So John's grandmother would be considered a person of color, like literally, she's pretty dark. And then you have his, like when he was born, right? Like when John was born, he he is very, very white looking Mm -hmm. where his brother would be very Hispanic looking. Okay. Like they would not have looked like they came from, they really didn't look like brothers. Similar to my twins. My twins don't even look like siblings, right? They don't look like they, they share the same family. But I'm now realizing that, well, okay, if I recognize this, why the heck is nobody else recognizing this? So they discharged his wife with like no, 
like, here's what you have to look out for. Now, I know in our line of work, right, in the twin world, that postpartum preeclampsia is a thing. Oh, yeah. We have have whole podcasts dedicated to it. Yeah. So with that being known, and so I will tell you what postpartum preeclampsia is, it's all the stuff of preeclampsia. So if you have headaches, blurry vision, vision, if you have, you know, unexpected swelling, People often think that those are only things they have to look for in pregnancy. However, we don't know why, but it could happen as po- they call it postpartum preeclampsia. Yeah, which is weird. You it is weird. Post eclampsia or something like that. Well, or postpartum like- eclampsia. Listen, I went to the Mayo Clinic's website because I'm like, dude, isn't it just called postpartum eclampsia? But no, nope, it's called postpartum preeclampsia according yeah. to many medical sites that I found. Yeah. So, and I always talk about how, and you're going to hear me mention it in this podcast too, that there is no cure for preeclampsia. They could treat it, but there's no cure. So yeah. it's the equivalent of being hit by a bus. You're never going to be like cured from that bus accident, but it's treatable. Yeah. So this is the same thing with preeclampsia. But the, the thing that makes me cuckoo is that when you have preeclampsia or gestational diabetes, it raises your incidence of having um, being a diabetic when you're older or having a heart condition when you're older. Yeah. So like why, what's going on? What's going on? First of all, I pay 80 bazillion dollars for medical care. <laughs> like I do, like I am not one of the lucky ones that yeah. like, you know, we're a small business here at Twiniversity and my husband also works for a small business. So neither of us are offered, um, medical insurance. So we pay out of pocket for our medical insurance, which at this time that I'm taping this, I believe it's costing me 1500 bucks just for my husband and I. Wow. That's not even for the twins. Wow. And the twins are going to have to go on our plan or have to get their own plan because they're going to turn 18 soon. Yeah. But like, if I'm paying all this money for health insurance, could you guys pay attention? Could we take yeah. some of that money and could we put it towards education and say, hey, just a little notice, maybe you guys are being a little prejudiced? Yeah. And you could say to yourself, we're not being prejudiced, but you know what? I'm going to challenge you and say, are you? And if you still feel good and you put your head on the pillow at night, I really hope to God that it's true, that you aren't. Yeah. So if anybody in the medical industry is um, listening to this, be it, you know, a nurse, a phlebotomist, I don't even care. Just are you viewing everybody with the same eyes? It makes me crazy. I feel like some are, and some are definitely not. Some are definitely not, and some, but some think that they are. Yeah, they have to be retrained. <sighs> oh, it you know makes what? me crazy. I get so mad when I hear these stories. When to me, it's like, oh god, oh god, like it's the sig- yeah. that the siren is blaring. Yeah. I see it. Why the heck can't anybody else see it? It frustrates me so. If you work in the medical industry, pay attention to that. And if you have a friend that is expecting, that is a person of color, just talk to them and say, listen, just, just make me feel better and just make sure that you're constantly advocating for yourself and that they know what your plan is. They know what your wishes are. They know what your desires are. And it's hard to learn because people don't, they might not realize that other people are getting better treatment. Yes. They think that this is just the way it is. Because maybe they've always felt been treated this way. It, it's just cuckoo. So yeah, there's this app called BirthX. And that is an app that's trying to put a spotlight on 
the medical profession in general when it comes to birth disparity. But yeah, it's okay. And and if you have, if you are like a super whitey McWhiterson, like I would be considered and Lauren would be considered, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have a conversation with somebody of color. It's not wrong to say, hey, listen, this is, you know, just an idea. This is something that you could do. Or let's look up this doctor. Let's look up this doctor on this app and see if there's any negative reviews by people of color. That's a great app. That's that's good to know about that because it's important. I work with families of every race, religion, everything. So it's good to know that. It's there. All right, guys. So are you ready to hear Curtis's story? Yes. All right. Here is Mr. Curtis Burke. Curtis, where have you been my whole life? <laughs> I've been right here in... Los Angeles. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. I love when we have a bicoastal families because you with the sunshine and a lot more free range parenting versus us hardcore, you know, helicopter neurotic parents. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy mm-hmm. the diversity of our parenting set. But that's actually, yes. you know, the funny part is, is that I find that even with twins, it's not as as diverse. I think we're mm-hmm. all kind of similar in the way that we're raising our kiddos. And that Mm -hmm. is really what I want to dig in today is about this whole fraternal boy Mm -hmm. girl business. Mm -hmm. You, I always say Mm -hmm. that I feel like I'm living an episode of some kind of weird show on the discovery channel (laughs) where I get to watch this evolution of little chicks (laughs) and this evolution of little dudes and how crazy it is. So Curtis, welcome. And thanks for playing with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate this a lot. So yeah. Listen, if this is the only break that you get today, take it. We're going to make it as easy as possible. So tell me a little bit about your 20s. How mm-hmm. did the pregnancy go for your mm-hmm. wife? How did you sure. handle the pregnancy? How did you handle the news? I have so many questions. I don't even know yeah. where to begin. I was dying to ask you before we even pressed record, but I try. I try okay. to be patient. <laughs> now I attack you. So tell I me about it. like the pregnancy mm-hmm. and how that right. goes. When did you find out that you were having boy, a boy and a girl? Yeah, so um, we have boy-girl twins. They will be three in November. Um, I, we, I was in denial. I truly was in denial. I was, I was kind of like, I felt like you know, like a sixteen-year-old girl who was like pregnant. I was like, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to wear big shirts. We're going to just <laughs> like this is going to go away. But my wife always wanted twins, um, and. I, I learned all the stuff about DNA and all this kind of stuff, but like my grandmother's a twin. She's a twin. She had a twin sister. Her great grandfather had a was a twin. Her first cousin has boy girl twins, and so she's always wanted twins. And um, I, I I remember us. Um, we started like we were married for like a year and a half, I guess, and then we started like just trying gradually and things like that. And then I remember she went to like the first appointment. She's like, oh, it's not a big deal. I just go by myself. Uh, you don't have to go to this one. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because we had like um, a miscarriage earlier that like, mm. year. And so I remember I, um, this time I was like, are you sure you don't want me to go? Blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up not going with her. And I remember her calling me at work. And I thought that she was had had a miscarriage, to be honest with you, because how she was talking so fast, like, 
Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. And I'm at work and I'm stepping away. And I'm like, what's wrong? What happened? And then she put the, um, she told me it's, 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 it's another heartbeat. And I was like, I don't understand what do you mean? I just, like my brain would not comprehend it. And I remember her like putting the doctor on the phone and she was like, Curtis, it's, it's two heartbeats. And I just would not accept it. I, mm. I literally, I couldn't go back to work. I think I went home early that day and, um, I'd never been a parent. My wife and I had been a parent. We're, we're fairly still newly married. It'd be mm-hmm. five years in December. And so I just didn't understand how it happened, to be honest with you. Um, I really didn't. I was just kind of like, I did not understand. Um, we didn't do IVF or any anything like that. So I was just kind of like, I did not understand. Um, but I guess it was meant to be. Um, the pregnancy for her and me... <laughs> It went um, fairly well, to be honest with you. Um, she really, I think it was just more of that. I literally had a calendar and I would write every Saturday was the next week. Like I literally at my job, I'm like, okay, this is 16 yeah. weeks. This is 17 weeks. This is 18 weeks. And I didn't really want to go out of town, but um, a lot. But I remember one time, the week I went out of town, it was like when she was probably like maybe like 13 weeks or 15 weeks that she felt like the uh, a fluttery things and I was mm. like what I missed that but um yeah she went up to literally to be exact 37 weeks and six days that's awesome pretty, so pretty much 38 weeks yeah um we was we were supposed to um do a c-section on the 15th which was my grandmother's birthday which she is um she passed away at 103 and so I kind of wow. went on their birthday I was like this would be cool at have somebody 102 years um, went in that 14th and they said that my son was um I think his heart rate was going up a little bit and so and the doctor who was delivering them that she was already there she was like look do you want me to deliver them at eight o'clock in the morning or my beginning of my shift and we were like we'll do it today thank you so (laughs) and um she had a hard time with the being numb like she hated that part like she couldn't feel her body yeah um she really was like about to freak out about it because they were trying to like put these babies on her and like make sure she had milk and she didn't give a damn she was like I need to make sure I can feel my body yeah like yeah it was really scary for her my wife was an a personality Mm -hmm. and um and I think the whole day I was just very calm even when they were born, I think I, I had to have like some kind of protection over me. Yeah. It just made me like just numb. Just I could not feel I just had to like treat it like a job almost to protect her. Now, one thing that was crazy is that we didn't realize that they don't take them away from you at the hospital where they were born. They they stay in the room with you. So they didn't have mm-hmm. to go to the Nick room. My son was like five and a half pounds. My daughter was like four pounds of 15 ounces. She was like right on the cusp. And, um, but when they were born, I remember us rolling her into the room and we were like, okay, what time are you taking these babies? Like from us, but they stayed with (laughs) you the whole time. And they wrote on the board, change the diaper. And I was like, who's changing diapers? I don't know how to change a diaper. Like it it was, it was the scariest thing. And I remember Uh like, I, that is my advice. Like I know they do it for protection, but Mm -hmm. I would, prefer for you to take these children at at least 10 o'clock at night because she just had a c-section you just pulled two full humans out of her 
I'm exhausted. She's even more exhausted. Now you want her to breastfeed. Now you want me to change the diaper. We've been here since nine o'clock this morning. They weren't delivered till five o'clock that afternoon. And I literally thought I was going to drop one of them. Yeah, I I really did. I was so in my wife. She was upset. She was crying because she couldn't help me. I was more like a single parent for that time because she couldn't get up. Yeah. She and has I, no legs. She has she no is, legs. Yeah, correct. And you're just and, totally, you're numb. You can't move. You can't do anything. You know, Curtis, it's so mm-hmm. funny. I talk about this a lot in 20 mm-hmm. classes because I basically remind people that it's the only time in a hospital where a patient is required to take care of another patient. Mm-hmm. And so it is so challenging. And now, you know, they're calling they right? The infamous day, they're calling them baby friendly hospitals. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that some people, especially for singletons, you can do it. And, you know, when mm-hmm. you have two parents and there's mm-hmm. one baby, you could play hot potato with a baby. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you have twenties there, I wish that there was some more support. And especially during mm-hmm. COVID, unfortunately, there was even less support than mm-hmm. than typical. But but yeah, it's really tough. And how did you guys talk about that when you were in the hospital? Like, this is too much for me. Or how do you mm-hmm. feel about this? How did those conversations go when you felt getting that you were getting overwhelmed? We felt like it was a cruel trick, to be honest with you. And we had some really good nurses that had mercy on us. Like there were two nurses that literally like, took over for us at times because we were new parents Mm -hmm. and we had two of them and you could only have one person in at a time. And her mother was in town, had flew in. But that first night, I I remember I, it was just kind of like, help, please. Like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I was, um, but I remember I put on gloves, like change a diaper and the nurse looking at me like, why are you putting on gloves? (laughs) I'm like, I'm not, I was like, well, you put on gloves. And so I didn't realize now poop is on my hand all the time. It's yes. like, you get a mutual. But at that time I was like, hand me my gloves too, ma'am, you know, kind of thing. But I thought, I mean, if we could have done it over, like we would have, um, I thought they should have like a, a nurse just for, to help you 24 hours. And I know they were coming in and out and they were great. But at that time, it just felt a little cruel to leave two new parents. Yeah. You don't know the mental state of the mother. <laughs> And so it's just kind of, I feel like we, they should have had someone to take over for us. Yes. Or at least a social worker to come in and do kind of like an evaluation. Curtis, please. I could literally make this whole podcast about like, (laughs) you know, the United States and the state of of parenthood, but Uh it's, it's kind of cuckoo. Now let's talk about this diaper business. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have uh, a lot of different little equipments going on there when you're changing some diaper, having boy, girl twins, were you more comfortable changing your son than your daughter? Or were you like, everybody's a mess. They just need to be clean. Cause I know that a a lot Mm -hmm. of new dads often feel a little awkward about Mm -hmm. changing tiny little baby girls diapers. Did you have any of that? Or you were like full daddy mode. This has got to get done. When they were first born, I was like full daddy mode. This has to be done. But I would say probably when she became like three months old, I mm-hmm. was more like my tell my wife, come in here to make sure I'm cleaning everything. Um, yeah. I don't want to clean her or almost like supervise me. So I don't want is almost like I wanted somebody that there for no question. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, touching anything too hard. It was almost like it just started to feel a little weird. Once she became mobile and yeah. she was having like 
blowouts. Yes. Um, but not when they were initially born that first week, because I was just kind of like in a zone. But after that, I was kind of like, my wife's like, no, you're going to change her. Even with baths yeah. now that my daughter's um, almost three, I feel a little like we are like changing her. My wife was like, what did you wipe her vagina? I'm like, yeah. well, she's in the water. She's fine. It's like, yeah. no, you have to make sure. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't, I'm like, well, can you watch me do it? I, I just feel a little weird. Um, yeah. And I would say this, um, they were born on a Thursday. We went home with them on a Saturday. My wife was back in the hospital that Tuesday. She had post- uh, eclampsia? Yes. Mm. On that, I think she went back that Monday or that Tuesday. And so I was literally with them for, five, she was in the hospital for five days. Yeah. So she was literally with them for 48 hours at home. And me and my mother-in-law were at the house in my apartment at the time with these two new babies. They weren't even a week old. And my wife was back in the hospital and it was very serious. Um, mm-hmm. You could have died. Her nothing, they, her um, kidneys were shutting down and they kept mm-hmm. giving her this uh, magnesium. I think mm-hmm. it's magnesium to yep. try to like correct get her blood pressure going down. And she was just really upset because the pregnancy went fine. Mm-hmm. And she just noticed on that Sunday, her feet were swelling up and her blood pressure was going up. And so that, we were like, okay, it's, you know, you just had a baby that Monday. And then on Monday night, she went to the hospital and this one doctor, he was like, oh, you just had a baby. And then he just happened to call the, um, that department and they were like, no, bring her back immediately. So I'm so glad that he made that call because she could have gone home and, and yeah. you know, possibly been worse. And so I was home for five days with them, with me and my mother-in-law. And <laughs> what was the sign? Like, what was the, the reason that she went back to the hospital? Was it swelling? Was it her vision? Was it headaches? What, what made her call the doctor? I think her mom, um, her feet were swollen, swelling up really bad. And I think her mom was one pushed for it. And my wife had had some, um, some blood pressure things, some, um, high blood pressure on and off anyway, but during the pregnancy, she was pretty much fine. Yeah. And so I think that she was already aware of a person. She was already had that instinct of like watching her blood pressure anyway, because it's genetic Mm -hmm. with her and her family. And so I think when her mom saw her blood pressure lights, and that's why we went, um, the day before actually because her blood pressure was starting to just her body was just starting to shut down yeah and i didn't know what was going on they just kept and my wife just wanted to go home and the doctor was telling me this is very serious and um but she just i think her mother made her go i don't think she would have gone if it had just been me and her to be honest with you because we yeah. were so tired and we had just got home and let's just watch it but i think her mom was the one who really was like no you need to go i will watch both of them okay. while he takes you. And so she just gave birth and I'm trying to get her yeah. in the car and, um, and they kept her. And we were like, what do you mean she's staying overnight? What do you mean she's staying D2? When is she? And so I was going back yeah. and forth from the hospital and, um, but yeah, so it was crazy. Um, and we did I'm, have a, <laughs> I'm really, really sorry about that. I have mm-hmm. to, I have to be very honest with you. That is a lot more common in our universe as parents of twins that it mm-hmm. is in the singleton world. And I'll never quite Mm -hmm. understand why doctors don't really talk about like signs of postpartum Mm -hmm. eclampsia, right? Everybody's telling Mm -hmm. you about signs of like preeclampsia and they're watching you for this and watching you for that. So everybody Mm -hmm. hears about that, but it's, there's Mm -hmm. not enough discussion. And Curtis, I really wish that I could say that she was, you know, one of few, but 
I'm going to tell you, this isn't the first podcast where we've had, this probably isn't even the third podcast where we've had a family that had postpartum eclampsia. And I just had another family Mm -hmm. here that gave birth in New York. That's in the hospital, literally as we're taping this. So she's in there Mm -hmm. now. So I'm going to do a record scratch and I'm changing this whole conversation. And so the funny part is, is that when I tape our intro, you'll hear this, but I want to talk about this because I want to talk about you being split into two going from the hospital to whatever. And the good thing is, is for those of you that are listening, Curtis also has a podcast. And sometimes, you know, that sometimes you just meet a guest and that you're like, (laughs) there's the story because I think as a, as a new dad, having Mm -hmm. the perspective that you do of having to deal with kind of like the Sophie's choice. Right. So, and those of you who Mm -hmm. don't get that movie reference, Google it after, but it's basically, you had the love of your life. That's now in a hospital Mm -hmm. and these two new pieces of your heart that are living outside Mm -hmm. of your wife's body now at home. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. did you, how did you manage that? To be honest with you, I did have, I'd had dark thoughts. Like I was, because how the doctors were talking, because I feel like, okay, she gave birth on a Thursday. You sent her home on a mm-hmm. Saturday. This is day four in a hospital without giving birth. And I feel like now they don't keep you in a hospital for anything. Like you give birth on a Tuesday to a single baby, you're, they ship you out in 48 hours. Yep. And so for me, I didn't like by day three and her body was just getting worse. I was, I was terrified, but I was, um, I think I was just numb. And I know that um, at one point, me and her mom had kind of bumped heads because, and we never bumped heads. Me and my mother in law get along really well. But I didn't want to go back to the hospital. And I had kind of made an excuse. I was like, well, maybe she wants to see you because I just, I did not know what to do. Yes. But I didn't want to stay at home with these two babies either. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to take care of them. And, I was, and she was like, no, she wants to be with you. You'll be fine. And I just remember driving to the hospital, just kind of breaking down because- I just did not know how to prepare. And I was just like, how the doctors were talking is kind of yeah. like, is she going to make it through this? Mm-hmm. We just took a picture that Sunday together. Is this our last picture? I started just thinking the worst, but I didn't want her to know it. Yeah. And so, and me and my wife, we're not the crying type of people. Like I literally, I think in seven years, I may have seen her cry maybe once like mm-hmm. we're not those people that cry in front of pe- each other and so it was just traumatizing to be honest because I didn't know where to be I didn't know should I concentrate more on them and my yeah. mother-in-law just took me by the hand and she was just like concentrate on your wife I have these two good and that's she what happened she, she knew, knew. And so she was she like really your did. wife needs you I have the babies yeah and so the nurses we're talking about, should I bring them up there to see her? And I didn't want that. That's where I did put down my foot. I was like, I think it'd be harder for her to see them and for me to take them home. Yeah. And then it would have been stressful because I was nervous putting them in the car seat. They were so little. I didn't want to drive with them. What if we get an accident? We're bringing them back to a hospital. And so me and my wife, neither one of us wanted to do that. So I just tried to face someone. But I was there with her from Literally, I would wake up, I would leave probably the house at like two and I would stay with her till nine and I would go home and try to help with like the night shift. Luckily, we had a a night nanny. Thank God. Yeah. 
for that. But and she came like uh, uh, three or four days out the week, but it it helped. But I still I didn't feel it because I was just so focused on making sure she survived. And yeah. when my mother in law told me to focus on her, that's when my brain went. I just mm-hmm. kind of like I saw them. But I I had to focus on my wife at the time. Yeah. So I know it's kind of weird to say that, but I had to make my mother-in-law made an executive decision <laughs> at the time. So um it was very, very scary. And um I just I remember I didn't people were calling and my wife is a very private person and she didn't want people to know she was in the hospital. And um she told one friend who was a godparent and she okay. came up there and so um, even breastfeeding at the time, she didn't want to really breastfeed because she felt, I think, like a failure or like, why is this happening? I got through the pregnancy. And so she yeah. would pump, but she just wasn't into it. And so we would, I would try to make a joke with her, just, just give one shot of the pump. You know, it's, it's a good antibiotic. It's a juicer. And so, but it was very difficult, very, very difficult. And, um, but she made it through it in day five, she came home, but she didn't get a rest because. Yeah. <laughs> they were waiting for us so that was our little scary part and we just kind of like I wasn't picking up the phone when people were calling and if it wasn't like my parents or like mm-hmm. my immediate siblings or her siblings like everybody else just got pushed out the way because I could not I didn't like explaining or people I just didn't know what to expect I was I had never been a parent so yeah. it was all just brand new oh all right Curtis sit right there <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna kind of regather our thoughts. I'm very upset for you. I want you to know, like, I'm very upset for you. I'm very, I'm very, I'm sad. First of all, that you had a miscarriage even before you conceived the twins. Mm -hmm. I was, I was Mm -hmm. a little shook. I know that that sounds crazy, but for anybody Mm -hmm. who's been out there, miscarriage is still Mm -hmm. a loss. So you carry Mm -hmm. a little bit of that. And then to, to kind of go through this and have this very high, high uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, having these twenties and making mm-hmm. it to, you know, full gestation for twenties. So like, that's like, mm-hmm. that's full term for us. And then mm-hmm. to have this happen. So just, uh, everybody just sit right there. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And I want to talk about kind of the aftershocks of postpartum eclampsia. So hang on. If you think this podcast isn't the worst we got great news for you. There's actually a lot more to Twiniversity than what you're listening to right now. We have classes for expectant twin families. We have classes for breastfeeding twin families. We have a peer-to-peer mentorship program. We have the book, What to Do When You're Having To. We have a thriving social network, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, wherever you want to hang out, we will meet you there. So to get kind of a fuller picture of all that Twiniversity has to offer you, head on over to Twiniversity.com and check out the latest information that we think you need to know today. All right, so we're back with Curtis. We know you know, kind of what happened with this postpartum eclampsia. And as I told you before the show that, you know, that's, you guys know what it is, you know, the signs that you need to look out for. I'll make sure that we include all that after I finish taping with Curtis. So don't get stressed about it. But, you know, the crazy thing about preeclampsia and eclampsia in general is that there is still a cornerstone at the Mayo Clinic to this day that is waiting to be etched with a name of the person that discovers a cure for this. So like it is still, it's literally there for this purpose 
of this, you know, preeclampsia. And so preeclampsia, the only thing that kind of cures that is delivery. And then postpartum eclampsia is just kind of the same thing. It's that same process, but people don't know to look out for it. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's a lot. And then, so Curtis, when she was discharged, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that she was on some type of blood pressure medication Mm -hmm. or even a baby Mm -hmm. aspirin. Mm -hmm. How did you feel when you got home and you're like, now my wife has to take this medication? And Mm -hmm. how did you kind of adjust to not walking on eggshells? Like, were you worried something else was going to happen? I was walking on eggshells, to be honest with you, because I was not sure if she was out of the woods, because I think, um, as we talked about earlier, like from a male point of view, I literally, I felt like I was a single parent all of a sudden. I was trying to like, jumble both worlds and now that she's home and I think it would have been different too if we had children before yeah because these are our first like I said I was wearing gloves the first thing when she had I love that oh um but I was very nervous when she got home because I feel like she felt in a way it was almost like she failed and she missed the first five days and she was asking me things and so I was trying to like um, do the bottles and just try to pick up where I needed mm-hmm. to. And so when she got home, she had to jump right in there. And I feel like um, it, it, we, we talk about it all the time. Like if they had kept her in the hospital for one more day, they would have yeah. caught it. They would have caught it, but they let her go in 48 hours. And so we were talking about that. Like, it, should you stay in the hospital longer than two days after giving birth to two children and a C-section yeah. It's major surgery and um but she did end up bouncing back i do feel like with the um it's part of the reason why she never really got on board with the breastfeeding because i feel like she felt like she kind of missed those important five days where it's kind of like i just gave birth but they weren't with me Mm -hmm. and so i think in her brain it might have been kind of um like almost like a disconnect where she had to jump in but um, it was just easier for us to, to, to do the bottles. Um, because with her, like, um, I just feel like it's for women, like I can't help you if you're only breastfeeding. Yeah. I can only help you if you pump or you, or you, um, your formula. And so she, she did pump for okay. sometimes, but it was, it just felt like almost cruel almost because yeah. if she wasn't pumping, she had a baby in her arm. <laughs> so it's kind of like, and it was just me, her and her mom at the time, because, um, and I'm glad it was because, again, my wife was very private and she did not want people to see her in that state. And so I feel like for her getting home, she felt like she had to jump in and help and help. And I'm trying to tell her, sit at home, your, your scars. And so literally, yeah. like I would have her lay down. I would hand her a baby. She would bond with that baby. I had the other baby. She would We would just switch off. And so um, it did get better once she got home. But that first week, I mean, her mom was like a a guard dog. She was checking her blood pressure all the time. She was making sure she took the medication. And so, um, and I believe, I can't remember if she went to the first appointment with me, to be honest with you. I don't know if she did um, because I think she was in, she had just got back from the hospital and I don't think she could have gone. I'm going to have to ask her that, but I don't, um, it was just a lot of driving around. Like it, you yeah. just become numb, but it, it did make me upset because I felt like they should have kept her in the hospital longer. And I didn't even know what it was. I just knew about the preeclampsia. 
Yeah. Me and my wife had no idea what this post clampsia world. So when when they discharged you, they never discussed it. Not really. I mean, they just said they don't know why it happens. It happens to some women. Yeah. But they, like you said, they just kept pushing in. Make sure you don't have preclampsia. Make sure you don't have mm-hmm. preclampsia. They were testing her and the sugar and blah blah blah. And because she was thirty eight yeah. when they were born. Um, about to be 39 that March was born in November. She turned 39 at that March. And so that was just their biggest thing. And so they just pushed that in our head so, so mm-hmm. much. We thought we were out the woodworks, to be honest with you, because they didn't talk about preeclampsia at all yeah. with us. So like, what is this? Like, yeah, it's so, not, yeah. it's, it's really, it's really something else. Like we really try to talk about it. And the, the funny thing is, is in classes, I actually, like, I know you guys didn't take our classes. I really wish you did, but I always tell the dads that they need to look out for it because, mm-hmm. or, you know, the partners and my dad's like, you guys are the ones that could see it before she does, you know, mm-hmm. she's so busy, like, you know, trying to organize mm-hmm. things, especially if she's very type a, she might not yes. notice that her ankles mm-hmm. are swelling. Usually, you know, if mm-hmm. she has a headache or everybody's like, Oh, I have a little bit of a headache. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing, but we have like a saying at Twiniversity, and I know other people say it, but I'm I'm taking it as my own. But I'd rather you overreact a hundred percent of the time than underreact once. Mm-hmm. You know, and with that, I'm really glad that you guys called the doctor. Curiously, did her mom ever mention if her mom had preeclampsia? She didn't. She didn't. She didn't. And so um just high blood pressure runs in their family genetically. Yeah. And so yeah. I think because of that. Yeah. If she she if she was not aware of um, the high blood pressure and her blood pressure was fine the whole pregnancy she took like a baby aspirin the whole yeah. time but because of that I think she was a little more alert my yeah. wife and my mother in law and so I mean and they say it's a silent killer like you you could you yeah, know totally if yeah if we had waited another day or something it, it could have been a different podcast oh. Absolutely. And the thing is, is there's seizures and there's mm -hmm. blindness. I mean, there's so many things that go along with it. And I know that we see it more and it's not literally to scare anybody, because if you catch it clearly like Curtis's wife, you'll be okay. But it's the people who ignore things, you know, and and it does stress me out. And I do you know, I don't know how I feel about people being discharged from the hospital. I I, like you. I want to you know, I want to change everything. You know, Twiniversity is we're we're an international group, right? So I'm I'm mm-hmm. lucky. Like the podcast that I just did was with a mom in another country, and you know, maternal care is so different outside of our country. It's it's unbelievable. And not saying that, you know, it's better or worse, but it's different. And there are um, a lot of countries that warn you of things that you need to look out for. And it's a real like discharge, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you have hip surgery, you get discharged with, you know, there's a discussion about, you know, here's what happens next and you're going to need physical therapy and you're going to need this and you're going to have to do this. For some reason, whenever we have a baby, it's like, oh, no big deal. Mm -hmm. See you later. Right. Have a good day. (laughs) Good luck. Don't forget to take the stuff in the drawers. That's all yours. Right. You know, Let me when, take the picture. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's really tough. And I feel so bad for my partners too, because you guys kind of get caught in the middle. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have now a helpless wife who mm-hmm. feels totally, you know, some people really feel totally worthless and they feel like this, their body failed them. And therefore they failed as a parent and they don't feel capable of doing this. And then you're like, no, dude, you're fine. Everything is fine. This was, this was a bump. 
but it's very difficult to help your partners get over such a significant bump because we, we all build up what Mm -hmm. this parenthood is supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know, and we watch all these freaking Hallmark movies about (laughs) this BS of what it is. And that's not necessarily our reality, especially being a twin parent. That's not our reality. Right. You know, it, Mm -hmm. it makes me so crazy that even I'm telling you, like as a lactation consultant, right. You go for like the significant training, Curtis. And so like, this is like my letters after my name and look at me, I did things. But we, you know, it's like a 60 hour course and only about 30 minutes even talks about multiples. It's it's like they just forgot about us and we have a higher incidence of things. And I do feel like a discharge. Now I'm here, I'm on my soapbox, but I feel like when parents of multiples get discharged, it should be like a process, like we broke our hip. Now, hopefully it's all for nothing. And you're that doctor right. wasted their breath. That was the best case <laughs> scenario. But, right. you know, you you want to make sure that people know these things. And then, you know, it's putting you into a situation where mm-hmm. you were ready for your hazmat suit for your first meconium poop. And now, you know, <laughs> here you are. So now fast forward, you know, fast forward. We're here. You're you're three years into this. Like, how yes. is she feeling about this? She feels great. Um, I, I think a lot of times you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. And I feel like um, even now, like I, I do feel like, um, I mean, we have, we have boy girl twins and I feel like, be, again, because we're a new parents, I'm, I'm learning at the same time how to be a parent of a son and a daughter at the same time. I didn't have an example of how do, how do you do that? What does that look yeah. like? And uh, the gender, the gender roles um, in my, my daughter is very, very, um, girly and we didn't push it my son is typical boy like he likes trucks he likes um Mm -hmm. dinosaurs and they put they play together um but it's very um i feel like my daughter came out running out the womb and so my son like she was walking by eight months Mm -hmm. um like literally like crawling and then walking and then my son he was like two months later he started to but it's, it's it's like a um a lot of times I feel like because we do have twins where we isolate because we feel more judged sometimes when it's a single parent, like, oh, like you could just walk your kid by yourself or, yeah. and so we don't want people to come over as much because it's like your kids are bouncing on the wall and you don't want to go to people's house because it's, you don't ever get to relax. It's like, so, um, but it is better, I will say, um, at the point, but I, but I do understand why parents stay home now. I will yeah. say that um, I'm in the process now of being the stay-at-home parent because my kids schedule um like um for instance like for our son he has like some sensory things i didn't even know what a sensory was like my wife being a personality just like she caught the post preclampsia she started noticing like certain textures he wouldn't eat and so we get him we quickly attack that and started mm-hmm. getting him into speech and, and ot and so it's like it's definitely overcome it but I also think if he didn't have his sister, we would have not have noticed it as much. We would have had noticed his verbal communication mm-hmm. because she's talking full sentences. And now we're like, okay, what's, what's going on over here? But we didn't have anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, um, I've had to, my wife is a breadwinner too. And so not only was she the one that gave the, gave birth, but she is just kind of like her career is thriving and, and um, doing really well for her. And I, I feel like, um, it's it's it was challenging sometimes because you can't control it they grow their yeah. own pace yeah 
Um, but it, it's it's overall stressful, <laughs> but it's it's a good stress if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I find myself I have to watch it because I don't want to judge parents who have single babies. Sometimes I find myself like I don't want to hear you complaining. I shouldn't oh, be like that. It's, it's you know. Here. This is this, safe. Is this is safe. Safe this is safe. You're okay. Because, uh, I, you know, because I know it's their experience too, but it's just like, I don't want to hear anything until you have to bathe two babies at the same time and get two babies dry at the same time. And somebody's kicking you mm-hmm. and one of them's running around naked. And so it's like, you have these two people that are going through these same experiences, but they're their yeah. own individual. My, yep. You know, they're our full humans. And, yep. and so, um, it's funny when I, when I meet parents of singletons, like in the street, if you meet me, I'll say, oh, listen, and they'll be like, oh, it's nothing compared to you. And I'll say, listen, you know what? Everybody's heart is their heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Everybody who's experiencing difficulty, it's their mm-hmm. difficulty. What are, what are we mm-hmm. going to do about that? But I do secretly judge singletons. I will tell you <laughs> all the time. And, but how could you not? You know, like how, how could you not, especially like I was in the same situation with you, like having one Mm -hmm. kid in early intervention and dealing with that. I was in the same boat Mm -hmm. as you. So it Mm -hmm. is, it's, it's tough. You know, it's really, really Mm -hmm. tough. And like at this age, you're having all the services at home, but you know, Mm -hmm. in, in a matter of weeks, actually for you, it's now going to take that big change at three, Mm -hmm. that now you're going to be able to have the opportunity to have services outside. So Mm -hmm. now you have one kid where you have to say, oh, well, this kid needs speech therapy. And what am I going to do with this other kid? But, you know, Curtis, this is all pretty typical. Like this is Mm -hmm. unfortunate that like you're a poster child for, you know, Mm -hmm. a twin family, but Mm -hmm. it's very often that, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we get to have the bonus of having services. Can I ask you a weird question? If your kids never heard it, if it's something that I'm I'm wondering if you and your wife ever discussed. Do you ever sometimes say, I really, I only wanted one? Yeah. Like I do, I I do because I feel like I'm exhausted sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like um, there's pluses and minuses with it. Of course, you have a, a forever play date and stuff like that. But I, or in, and we probably caught my son with the sensory and the speech earlier because mm-hmm. of my daughter. But a lot, because even going on walks, like I wish that I could just take one sometimes and just like go to the they've never and then when covid happened it mm. really shut down because they were only three they were like not even three months when covid happened and so that changed it was i mean again we were by ourselves and so but yeah i i do sometimes think about it and we say it like in the bed we're like ah, oh, i wonder you know like we could have just done this or we could have gone to like out to eat because mm-hmm. when you see parents, it's like with their one kid who's even acting up, but it's two against one right now. I'm, I can't even help you help. You have him. I have her. Like, it's, it's not like, yeah. and so I do, um, in like those moments or even when we flew, how do we do this? Who sits with who, who needs mommy more? And, um, my, when they were first born, my son took to me more and my daughter took to my, my wife more. But I feel like it was more like my daughter was so much more dominant where she wasn't giving up mommy. And so my son mm-hmm. meant to me by default. And so I think that her, like if he would fall when he was, I would say, like nine to a year and eight, 18 months, like he wanted me. Yeah. And so she would have to hit him to me. But it's because he learned early on, like he didn't have an option mm-hmm. but me because my daughter was like she didn't want anybody sitting on her or anything. And But now 
they're both more toward my wife. But if my wife isn't there, I'm their favorite. Like I'm like the best thing in, you know, a slice of pie. But if my wife is there, they definitely want her more. Um, and so if we had to train my daughter to like, you know, your twin, but she, she's, it's weird with her because she looks after him. Like mm-hmm. one day he pushed her, which he normally doesn't do. Usually she's doing all the pushing and I'm, you know, I'm grabbing him saying, no, you don't push your sister. And then she came to me, don't talk to my brother like that, daddy. I'm like, you're, you're the one that's crying on the ground. I'm, I'm trying to protect you. So she was like, I can talk to, it was like her child, like even bathing him. Like when we bathed him, like she's trying to wash his hair. I'm like, he's not your child. I, mm-hmm. I can bathe him, but she wants to like protect him. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. Is she, but is she the baby A? <laughs> she's, she's B. She's B. She's actually B. He's a, um, yeah. So, but she took more space and she, he was bigger than her. But every time in the womb, she was just more active. I mean, we were oh. worried about him sometimes. Like, well, like, are you okay in there with her? Like, oh man. But they it's, hug a lot. They oh, they have like so this sweet. weird state. They hug, they, they kiss all the time and play together, but she's very protective. Like we cannot redirect him without her Leave yeah. my brother alone. It's like, who, who are you it, talking to? Can I tell you that doesn't change. I really want to go on the record and say that does not change. So right. literally, as a mom of 17-year-olds, mm-hmm. we just had this fight last week because mm-hmm. I was mad at one of them and then the other one got mad at me. And I'm like, I am I'm not understanding <laughs> how I'm constantly losing. And you would think yeah. now, like there's they're gonna be adults in a matter of weeks. They're gonna be able to vote in right. a few weeks. Like, why are we still fighting about this? But they are so it's this bond that twins have mm-hmm. where I, like you in the very beginning, would always say, Oh, like I had envisioned like having one child and mm-hmm. doing things with one child and be like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And I tell the story <laughs> all the time, but like, since it took me so long to get pregnant, I uh-huh. had so many opportunities to daydream about mm-hmm. me and my singleton, never mm-hmm. knowing that I would even know what singleton was. Right. right. So, and, and plus living in New York city in a, a tenement building with no mm-hmm. square mm-hmm. feet, it was, I always had kind of this vision. And when we heard that heartbeat, I too, I was very, I was a little traumatized. I got to say the truth. And now yeah. in hindsight, like, let's say it was one, which one would it have been, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, would I have my son who is, oh, it's the best Curtis. Oh, <laughs> this boy is so fantastic. Or is it my daughter who is a spitfire and mm-hmm. will rule the world? And every time mm-hmm. I hear that Beyonce song, I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. We will all just follow her. And I always joke like her teachers, even like one time, literally in grade school, somebody's like, if something happened and there was an apocalypse, I want your daughter on my team. I'm like, is this something we write on report cards now? <laughs> yes. I was like, I understand, but yes, but, but is, could could we talk about that English paper that she had? Right. But it's no. it's so funny that we're very lucky to have boy girl mm-hmm. twins. And I think that every twin parent might feel like they're set is is mm-hmm. the lucky set. And I don't know if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, but I did an episode of mm-hmm. with Fran. I don't remember what episode that was. Go look and, and look for Fran. But mm-hmm. Fran has three sets of twins, boys, oh, wow. girls, and a boy, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's one of my favorite people in the world that I always think about. Well, listen, right. I could be Fran, but Fran really <laughs> got to see like where me and you could talk all day about the differences mm-hmm. between boys and girls where Fran mm-hmm. could be like, let me tell you about this set. Let me tell you about this set. Oh, no, I love I don't, Fran. I don't, yeah. I mean, I do feel like we lucked up with the 
if we're going to have twins, I want it to be boy or girl. So if we, if we decide to be done, we can be done. Um, I definitely wanted my son first because it's almost like the last name kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Check that's, that's, that's out the way. Okay. Because it's only like me and my brother and a first cousin who are carrying on the birth last name. And so that kind of pressure to like carry it on and then the pressure is off. Um, and then I would prefer my daughter, but if we have a third, I want a girl to be honest Aww. with you. So I, cause I feel like I want, I don't know. It's weird, but I want him to be the only son for some reason. I feel like it's something special with just me and my All son. Right. I, I can have like, cause girls want to take care of you. They want to, you know, and so. That's right. Um, Let me tell you, mother nature is going to give you two boys <laughs> next time around. No, so, so there did, you go. Right. Right. We did separate them in school. They just started school, three-year-old right. kindergarten or TK or DK, whatever they call it. But the teacher was like, she's too concentrating she's, on it. Yeah. And, and in the daycare, they said that because she was looking after him so much where we had to, but they, they play together all the time and their classrooms were right by each other. But they send us pictures of her, like putting on his shoe at recess yep. or taking yeah. off his shoe or rubbing his back. <laughs> it was like, he could care less. He's more chill. Like Oh, you give him some kids. food and a TV, he's fine. He doesn't ask the why. My daughters are like, why this? Why that? And I'm just like, take take her with you, please. Let, leave him home with me. Oh, my <laughs> so. gosh, Curtis. That's the way it goes, man. We had our kids together for one year, so like mm-hmm. before kindergarten. And then um, we had to separate them because he every time he would go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. he would come out and she would ask him if he wiped in mm. front of the whole class. <laughs> Well, my daughter started standing up like <sighs> I'm still trying to figure out this potty training thing. Like I said, my daughter trained herself like we got we were actually trying to stop her from training this early because we were like, no, please, just just this your pull up, please. Mm-hmm. And so please just do it for me because but she refused like she it was almost like an embarrassment for her. Yeah, that's that's girls, man. I'm not going to say that's every girl, but that's that's a girl. That's her like, I'm going to control this. I'm going to control my poopers and my peepees. And this is what's going to happen. And dudes are like, whatevs. Yeah. So even at night, we still make her wear like a pull up at night because we're like, I don't want to get up and change her whole bed. But during her nap, she she's fully like just her just her underwear on. But at night. But she makes us put her underwear on over her diaper so nobody will see it. God bless she, her. She's like, I'm telling you, look at this kid. She's vain at, at three. That's that's unbelievable. Oh, so, Curtis, this was this was so mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm always I'm genuinely I know I say this every guest, but I really am. And as a podcaster, you understand, too. You're yes. so thankful for mm-hmm. the generosity of other people's time. Right. Because that's our most mm-hmm. valuable commodity. As humans, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like if you could give somebody another piece of time, I'm not saying that they don't want to check, but I am saying that at the end of the day, you could always make more money, but you're never going to have more time. So when right. people choose to to spend it with us and share their stories, it's just, it's really, it's really something else. I'm very appreciative. Now, before you leave, I do have one more question because it just popped up and I thought about me even talking about this whole thing with time, but do mm-hmm. you and your wife talk about the, the postpartum eclampsia? And do you, do you check in with her to say like, how do you feel about this to see like if she has healed from it or if she's carrying some trauma from it, do you ever, or are you afraid to, to ask the question? That's a great question. We don't talk about it actually that much, but, um, 
there's a documentary right, right now about like women who have had this and who have like gone home and the doctors don't listen to them. And even more so with, with women of color or mm-hmm. like low income areas. Yep. Um, we just always say that we're lucky. We had great doctors when she went back to took it serious and she had um, her pregnancy doctor. I know I'm saying it wrong was, was, was got on board, but um, we just always talk about how lucky we were yeah. to catch it because again, it could have gone left, but I think um, we wish they had spoken to us more about it and it yeah. needs to be talked about more. Like she refuses to watch that documentary. I don't blame uh, her. Like she, she was like, I don't want to see this. It's, it's too depressing. I think it, it brings her back of that time. And so we just are grateful and we're very blessed that she made it out and she came home and the, the kids are thriving and they're in school and doing great. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, it's, you know, yeah. there's, there's this app, it's actually called birth X. There's this website. So um, I'll try to put it in. I will put it in the show notes, but mm-hmm. there's this woman, her name is Alexis Diaz and she's a, an ER nurse. And I, I know her personally because of a lot of public speaking I do. And she created this, this site basically, or this app called birth X. And it's basically exactly that it is, it is helping center patients around maternity care and making sure that they have the proper education and you're able to create and leave reviews for doctors. But it really is because there's such an unbelievable birth disparity mm-hmm. against uh, amongst women of color. Mm-hmm. It's and, mm-hmm. and the thing is, as a white woman, like I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, is it? I mm-hmm. don't even know. But then as you know, the more people that we talk to and the more that Mm -hmm. I hear. So Alexis has literally changed her entire Mm -hmm. life pattern. And now she's created this. I'm going to pop that in there, but it's, um, it's, it's a really, really great resource for anybody that's pregnant, especially if you are worried about Mm -hmm. experiencing, you know, Mm -hmm. prejudice in a hospital. Mm -hmm. It's, I have to say to me, Mm -hmm. I would assume you should think you are going to Mm -hmm. as horrible as that is. Looking back now, that's something we do talk about. I do feel like they didn't take her as serious because she she is a black woman, to be honest with you. When we went back initially to the hospital, the doctor was just kind of like, he almost sent us home, to be honest with you. Like, oh, you just gave birth. Oh, your blood pressure. Just call call the, um, what is it? The infant in the morning. Like They have a special unit. He's like, they're yes. closed. But, but, but call them in the morning. And then my wife was like, no. Good. This is going on. She was an advocate for herself, and that made him run more blood tests. And Good. if she was not doing that, I don't know where we would have been, but he definitely brushed us off. And um, I'm glad that she... <laughs> I'm Was glad that she's who she is. Because, and the good yeah. thing is it looks like your daughter is going to be the yeah, same way, which is yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you want. You know, you need tough cookies. I mean, it's very unfortunate. And you would think that mm-hmm. in, you know, today's day and age that this would be a, a mm-hmm. non-issue, but it's literally is, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how sometimes I feel like we take, take 15 steps forward and then 72 steps back. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not understanding it. And I'm trying to just be here. And sometimes I feel like I want to, I really, I joke all the time with my university families that I just want to create mm-hmm. an, our own island where mm-hmm. we could just live and take care of each other because I know yeah. we we'll do it right. Right. And unfortunately, I haven't won uh, the mega millions yet or hit the big time <laughs> yet with Twiniversity. So there will be no island purchases at this time. <laughs> but the, the island that we cre- could create is a virtual one. And there just sharing go. our life story and our experiences is just going to have to do for now because this is 
what we could do, but instead of not doing anything, we have to, we really, really, really have to Curtis. Like that's, it's our responsibility to share the things that we learn in our life, to not have somebody else have that same experience if possible. And Mm -hmm. for that, I genuinely thank you. And I'm, I'm very, very humbled that you took the time to talk to me today. So thank you so much, Curtis. Well, thank you for having me and you are doing an awesome job for all of us. And we need more people like you to be an advocate for our twin parents because it's not an easy job. And we all, people don't understand. And I'm glad that Mm -hmm. you do. And so I appreciate you for taking the time out and listening to me (laughs) today. You should be your own guest (laughs) on your own podcast. Now, can you tell me about that? Like, I know you have a wonderful podcast that's called Mm -hmm. Undercovered uh, Legacy or Uncovered Legacy podcast. And Mm -hmm. so we could find it. It's just that it's the website. We'll drop the show notes too, but you're kind of doing the same exact thing that I'm trying to do in a different way. So how do you get to, well, tell us a little bit about the podcast and then tell us how you choose the guests that you want to have on your podcast. Yes. I mean, it's called Uncovered Legacy Podcast. You can just find it, just type in www.uncoveredlegacypodcast. And on Instagram, it's Uncovered Legacy Podcast. Um, basically, when I did a 23andMe, I got more interested in finding like my own ancestry mm-hmm. and legacy. And then when I be- became a father of twins, I got even more interested in wanting to create a legacy for them and letting them know where they're from. I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, and so I'm away from like my family. And so I just wanted to know more. And I hit a wall. Yeah. I hit a wall because I wasn't famous because... Um, I could not be on finding your roots because I didn't have a strong platform. And so I got angry about that. And so um, instead of just being angry, I decided to create a platform for people who have, who want to tell their stories and how, mm-hmm. what journeys they're going through and how everybody has a story to tell. And you should not have to have a, be uh, a famous person to do that. And so it's, it's a broad range anywhere from, most of it's an aha moment for most people. I have stories about people who are having fertility problems and they ended up adopting. And so now they're adopting. So now this is their new legacy. What does this look like as a mm-hmm. parent of an adopted child? I want to write a book. I've had guests in there who's lost a spouse and he's he lost his leg. And now he's an advocate for trauma, people who are going through trauma and um, loved ones or people who are just finding their own way or other podcasters themselves. And so it's, that's why I call it Uncovered Legacy, because you're mm-hmm. uncovering your own life and how your past, future, and present affects you as you're doing that. Mm. I love it. I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited about it. I literally subscribed right before we hit record. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited, but I love that. I love when people share their stories and there's so much that we can learn from each other if we just freaking stop and listen. But just mm-hmm. stop, everybody. Just stop and listen <laughs> for a second. So I really, it's, it's hard for me not to keep talking because I want to ask you everything. I know. But <laughs> I know you got to go back to your 20s. But Curtis, if we need you, we're going to stalk you and I'm mm-hmm. going to stalk you, which is is going to be really nice. And I can't wait to hear the stories that you have uncovered because your wife, actually, I'm going to just recommend that she should be her guest, that she should be one of your guests. We've been there. talking about that. We've been, I've been trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, I need to, I mean, I'm already going to be the stay at home dad. So I might as well, 
Yeah, <laughs> mine as well. That's that. That's all. Then you'll have the mailman, the UPS guy that comes in because everybody does have a legacy. We just got to yes. got to figure out what it is. It's unbelievable. So, uh, Curtis, mm. thank you so, so much. I'm really I'm so happy that you were here today. And guys, if you're listening out there in a podcast land or wherever the heck you find me and your smart speaker, um, you know that we really are here for you guys. And so just email us at community at twiniversity.com if you need anything. And remember, you could stalk us too on every freaking social platform out there. We're just at Twiniversity, as boring as it gets. And if you have any suggestions or you're like, Nat, you don't cover this enough or tell your Twiniversity writers to do this, we really want to make this for you. Twiniversity is not my story. It is not about me. I did it. I raised my kids. I feel good about it. This is how we make sure that you have a better experience. So you please, please let me know. And if you're like, but what can I do for her? She's so amazing and beautiful and I can't believe it. Well, you know what you could do? You could review this podcast wherever you're listening. You could review my book. Those are the best gifts that you could give me is to just let other people know that I really mean it when I'm saying that my goal is to make sure that you feel whole. So until next time, guys, see you later, alligators. Thanks for listening and I'll see you later.